touch every corner it is really not so bad everybody does it even mom and dad <coughs> if nobody sees it then nobody gets mad it's the american way four finger discount dude Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review Simpson Califragilistic Expiala Anoidic Grunches. I am Dando. I am Mitch. That's a good vocal warm up if ever I've heard one. Uh, it took three goes, but I finally got it right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, only this. You've only done two for me, and they were both nailed. So, <laughs> ever the professional. Once the microphone is on, you are on. What's the? Uh, what's your thoughts on the title? Having annoyed grunt instead of dough. I feel like it's a thing that when it went to air, I don't know, maybe the trivia would have been out there enough, but in a time before the internet, not many people would have known that Doe just appeared as annoyed grunt in Mm. the first ever script. So, like, I mean, it's a good joke now. I think it would have gone over a lot of people's heads back then. It's still, it sucks for SEO. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they were too concerned about SEO in 1997. They certainly were not. What do you think of the episode anyway? It's it's probably the, the most musical that we've had today. I think, it, well, it is. It's the most musical. It's, it's just a parody of Mary Poppins, which is a musical. I think they nailed the parody, but there's not much substance to the story, really. It's just a bunch of fun numbers. Pretty much. Like, I was wondering how this would stack up, particularly for today, and maybe some of our uh, younger listeners might want to email in throughout the week to be read out in next week's mailbag how well this story stacks up if you've never seen Mary Poppins. Because even I, I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched it from start to finish. I've at least got a working knowledge of the movie and I'm you know, I'm aware of it. But I feel like as time goes on, that is going to be less and less the case. I only know it because it used to be on trailers for VHSs that I would own. So, you know, I knew enough to know what it was. But if you had no idea, would you you'd kind of be wondering why suddenly the Simpsons had, you know, an English street with old town criers and a boy for sale. Like, that's going to be a little bit lost, I think. Even Willie doing the uh, the one-man band, things like that. They're references to the film that if you haven't seen it, it makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Did did they do a remake or did I hear that there was going to be a remake of Mary Poppins recently? I haven't heard about that, but it would not surprise me. They do love reboots and remakes these days. Let me Google that and see if anything comes up. The Rock will be in it. (laughs) As Mary Poppins. (laughs) Mary Poppins returns in 2018. So, there you go. Maybe people will be aware. Is it out already or is it to be released? I think it must be... Hold on a second. It's actually got a pretty decent cast. Emily Blunt, Meryl Streep, Colin Firth and Emily Mortimer. All the Emilys. December 2018. So, it's going to be out in a few months' time. Time for Christmas? Cool. Sounds good. I'm going to be honest, I've never, like you, sat down and watched the film. I only went out and watched the songs after watching that film with Tom Hanks. Oh, Saving Mrs. Banks. Saving Mr. Banks. or Mr. Banks, Banks, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Great film. And it made me want to go out and actually watch, not the full movie, because it goes for like two and a half hours. And I was like, I ain't got time to watch this full movie. But I wanted to watch the songs that they were referencing and the the songs that she kept turning down. And Mm. it does have some great songs. And The Simpsons, once I went back and watched those songs, I was like, The Simpsons did a great parody of it. Yeah, like Spoonful of Sugar into Cut Every Corner, I think is one of the better ones. Uh, a boozehound named Barney, was that a direct reference? Yeah, so Boozehound named Barney was a takeoff of Feed the Birds. So the, in the in that it's Tuppence a Bag, 
Um, but he says two two bucks a glass. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, feed the birds. It's a uh, she holds the snow globe for the kids and she sings a song about this old woman feeding the birds, and that's what mm-hmm. she does here. Cherry Bubbins holds the snow globe and sings a song about the booze hound. Okay, well that makes sense. It is one of my favourite numbers, the booze hound named Barney. Uh, it actually is my favourite uh, song in the whole thing. I think it's the one that's genuinely funny. Yes. Uh, Cut Every Corner made me laugh when I was a kid. It still kind of made me laugh now, but maybe not as much. But the idea of being lazy and about housework was big for me when I was younger. I just love the whole, um, then come in, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that that's... it's. I did like that they managed to really nail the character of Mo within a parody. Yes, yeah, of true. Of the song. Yeah, that, that it really fit perfectly. Uh, they also do that very well with Wiggum in what was a close runner-up for my favourite moment of the episode, that fighting crime is not my cup of tea. Yeah, and you see crime going on in the background. <laughs> yeah, Molman getting arrested, uh, arrested, getting held up by Snake. <laughs> now, I've read that, because um, like I said, I haven't seen the film, but uh, there was apparently there was a, some sort of love tension between Mary Poppins and the Dick Van Dyke character in Mary Poppins. And oh, that's okay. what they were referencing here with Willie and Mary Poppins uh, and Sherry Bobbins because in the film they never they sort of allude to the fact that there could have been a love interest in the past some, some, something mm-hmm. happening in the past but never actually go into it and that's why they just went fully into it here with The Simpsons yeah interesting I, I, it does kind of make sense and I did like the rug pull I suppose of the fact that you feel if you do know anything about Mary Poppins you feel like Willie is going to play a big role in this because of the fact that he's like well he's clearly the Dick Van Dyke character but that he's just the fact that he's dropped very very quickly is what I found very very funny. It's it's kind of weird they didn't really go into it further because I've read that Reese and and Algene because we'll get into how this all came about this episode. But this uh, episode they they fell short. Essentially, there was no third act when she goes to leave the first time. That's all the story they had. So a way of filling out the episode was just having her go back into the Simpsons house again. Yeah, right. Okay. So it seems that they wouldn't go into the will. It's weird they wouldn't go into the Willy thing if they had no sort of, I don't know, not content, but they had no story to fill it out with, you know? Yeah. Maybe they just preferred to dump it on Willy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it it is a very, suddenly the ugliest man in Glasgow wasn't good enough for you. It's nice to see you, Willy. That's not what you said the first time. Yes. That's uh, that's up there with the best of the jo- best joke I think in the episode. And we mentioned earlier that there isn't much depth to the story, so it's going to be hard to kind of do a, a review like we normally would. But I do think what it does well is it highlights the struggles of having kids, because kids and even families in general they're never going to be perfect. And what this story, what the, the story, the message I took from this was that don't strive for the perfect family because it simply just does not exist. I thought you were going to say the message you took from this was to hire a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> That too. I actually had a really funny uh, nanny story recently. Um, and oh, I should preface this by saying that we got a bit of feedback from a long-time listener who I'll keep nameless for the sake of this, saying that she thought that one or two episodes ago there was too much banter. Now, if there's anything that you should know about me, it's that if you tell me not to do something, then that's I'm going to go the opposite direction. Like I, My response to that was going to be a prank episode where we just... You know, it'll be the super supercalifragilistic review, but we don't actually discuss the episode at all. Oh, do we <laughs> ever dare no reference do that? To it. <laughs> we see I, how long we can keep them listening for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then just and then just come back next week. <laughs> I feel like we'd have to release that first, right? And then mm. like a, like I know a day later, release the actual one. Yeah, yeah. 
It'd be funny. I'd like to, you know, like, we'd probably lose some listeners, but I'd and, enjoy and, the and hate. I, I see. I wouldn't. I like. I like listeners. <laughs> no, I, I like listeners as well. I just would love to see the reaction, just from a curiosity point of view. It would be very, very annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the uh, the point is, I had some friends of mine who are looking into getting a nanny uh, slash house sitter, and one of them, basically Rachel, was having a look through and. Uh, there's a girl named Shayla, Shayla, Shayla Ree. It was some kind of like hippie name a little bit. She basically just sent through to a group chat, like the resume, and it was an excellent resume, and then followed it up with a photo of the girl and looked like just, you know, very, very babin, basically. And the comment from Rach was simply like, fuck, you're coming into my house dressed like that, Shayla Ree. <laughs> she, she, she said that to her or just said that out loud? No, just said that to us. As okay. in like as in this has just got home wrecker written all over it and I'm not gonna let you tempt my man. Um so then I've responded with, you know, lists her previous references as Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jude Law and David Beckham. Um and then followed it like followed it up a little bit later with to be honest, I've got no idea about David Beckham. Uh, I, I I think I've made that one up. Her response was just I read that and thought, Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, seems true. <laughs> Which, anyway, I guess there's no real point to that story other than the fact that it's really easy to spread misinformation if it sounds halfway correct. It's all in the delivery, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, straight-faced. David Beckham had an affair with his nanny and people are just going to go, oh, he would, that David Beckham. <laughs> yeah, but, but did he not? I swear I've heard that story. I don't know. I'm too frightened to Google it. I like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. Oh, I, 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 I feel like I've heard that story, but it could be wrong. I'm not saying it's true, but like you said, it sounds like something that could happen. <laughs> um, what have we got? David Beckham's cheating scandal and alleged affair. Well, this is from nowtolove.com.au. Okay. So I'm not sure how accurate that would be. Is that something they could have done? Like a Homer Sherry Bobbins <laughs> tryst? Nah. It would have, eh, nah. I bet you if this episode was going to air now, that oh, yeah. would be included. Yeah, for sure. Did you so so th- this says that it was an affair with a nanny or? Uh, I'm not pushing on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's just say, for the sake of not getting sued, that we can neither confirm nor deny whether or not David Beckham has had an affair with his nanny. So this was one of the four episodes that uh, Al Jean and Mike Reese returned to The Simpsons to do due to their mm-hmm. contract with Disney. This was actually the last episode that had a writing credit of Mike Reese. Uh, apparently he didn't like the episode at first because he didn't he didn't like the idea of the episode because he felt that the Simpsons should avoid having characters with magic in it except for a couple of for example like Leonard Nimoy that kind of thing's fine but a character that's just magic he didn't want to do it so he tried to keep the magic down what are your thoughts on that I feel like I don't know as a once off it wouldn't have hurt too much because I, I kind of see this episode as not in canon I don't know why it just feels like it's not a normal episode I don't know about well, I don't know about not in canon because it doesn't do anything to really change the story of any of the major characters. So you know, Sherry Bobbin pops in, pops out. No one else has any altering experience, so it doesn't really matter. I and for that same reason, I don't really mind too much about the magic because I know they're going for a parody. So yeah, I, I think it's the same kind of rule for me as Leonard Nimoy. I don't care if he beams himself in or beams himself out, or if he. It just appears where there's an alien, despite the fact that he was appearing as himself only minutes earlier, telling the story and then ending up in the story. Like all of those sorts of things, you know, whatever. I'm I'm not going to quibble over it. When they're bringing in someone who is a magical character from another movie, you kind of can't avoid having it, can you? 
Not really. I, I think it made sense to to kill her off at the end as well because a it's the Simpsons take on you know a beloved Disney film. But mm-hmm. I think the character she's just she's so unique that she shouldn't return. She should have been a one and done. Yeah, I, I really like the final point that they put on that as well. Just the stamp out. This is never happening again. Yeah, it's exactly what should have happened. And I can't help but when I watch this episode, and it's, it's, this is my favorite moment. It's the cut every corner because every time I watch that now, I think of when Maggie sang it for us in person. Yeah, and that like, was so delightful. It, it's hard not to just hear her singing that just for us. Like she sang it just for us. Like mm. that was magical. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, despite the fact that we were just in a less than magical area at the time. Yep, it didn't matter though. It did not matter. Yeah. Just close your eyes and imagine you're somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, what you don't know about Maggie Roswell is that she will just sing that song at strangers uh, unprompted in public. So maybe it wasn't so much a special thing that we were going through, or more of like a midlife crisis for her. <laughs> No, she's a, a lovely, lovely lady. And what we're going to do is similar to our pretzel episode. We're going to play our full interview with Maggie Roswell from, what, three years ago now? Two years ago? Yeah, it was very early on. It was one yeah. of the, I mean, it was the first cast member interview that we ever did. We were nervous. Uh, <laughs> and the only one that we've ever done in person, actually, which is uh, which I like. like. I think that that gives it a nice air to it, that there, she's actually there rather than you know, over the phone and over Skype and all that yeah. sort of thing that the others have been. So, we're going to tag that on to the end of this one. A couple more things before we get into the review, though. During the end song, I've read that Homer can be seen dancing along but not singing. and it's be- Apparently, it's because the producers simply forgot to record Dan Castellanata for the last song. That boggles my <laughs> mind, how that can happen. <laughs> how they could just forget. Yeah, just forget That's to record funny. Homer. <laughs> is, his, is his mouth moving? No, so he's, he's dancing okay. along but he's not singing. Because they forgot okay. to... So, they're like, all right, well, if we can't hear Homer's voice, don't have his mouth moving. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, at least they wised up to that because it would have been more distracting, I think, if his mouth was moving, but you couldn't hear him in the chorus. I don't think you would have even really noticed anyway, would you? Uh, people would eventually. Maybe. I guess Just so. Just the, the internet being the internet or what the internet became. Alt. What is it? Alt.Simpsons.com or whatever the website was? Alt.Simpsons.net, I think. Net. Yeah, it's old school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They would have been all over it. What this episode did have that we haven't had for a while, two things, okay? So, it had the full opening intro. I forgot how much I missed it because I find in season eight and even towards the end of season seven, they just cut straight to the to Homer getting chased by the car in the driveway. And yeah, I don't know, the vast just, majority the, of them do. There's something about watching the full intro that just, I don't know, it takes me back to sitting in front of the TV, channel 10, 6 o'clock, watching the old school episodes because the, the earlier ones always had the full intro. I enjoy the fact that that buys me an extra 30 seconds if I'm doing a review to grab a drink or grab something to eat before I sit down and start writing notes. So, <laughs> I'm all for it. I need more intro. You're all about not having to do as much work. I'm all about the, the, the feelings. It's, it's not so much about <laughs> not having to do the work. It's about having more time to prepare for the work. Yes, that's true. What was your favorite moment from the episode? So, mine was cut every corner purely because it reminds me of Maggie singing. My favorite moment for the episode, to be perfectly honest, was Homer trying to seduce Marge by telling her he's had a couple of beers. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's his way of saying it's got me in the mood. But the fact that in his mind that that would be in any way an attractive prospect. 
It's w- very good. I wonder if there's any listeners out there that have tried that. If you have, write it in. Yeah. <laughs> Second only to, I've been watching women's volleyball on ESPN. <laughs> Homer just hitting on Marge is funny in general. What about the, what if I talk like this? <laughs> yeah, that is a, that's, that's one of the top Homer moments and one that I've taken into my own life too many times. <laughs> Here's a story for, for the, uh, no, sorry, a, a question for the listeners to write in about this week. I want to hear, when have you ever used a Simpsons quote as a pickup line? As seduction. Yes, write it in. I want to hear some seduction S- stories. Simpsons seduction. Simpsons do seduction. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty, what was your new name for the episode? Uh, my new name for this episode was quite simply the Sherry Bobbins one. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm jumping in to see what our patrons have submitted. I've got to be honest, it's not exactly a banner week for alternate titles. So It's I hard, isn't it this. though? It is a little bit tough, yeah. Like I, I, I'm not picking on anyone here, but it was just booze hound of the Bartervilles. Like that's obviously hound of Baskervilles. It's, I mean, yeah, it's a struggle. It's like it's a long bow to draw that. So, uh, the story of the ugliest man in Glasgow. That's not too bad by Seth Wines. David David with schmintellectual schmoppity. Patrick Jennings, I think, is the winner this this week. Actually, with first you get the spoonful of sugar, then you get the power, then you get the women. Yeah, okay, he's the winner. Hot dog, we have a wiener. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> there, um, Sim Simmery, Sim Simmery, Sim Sim Simpsons from Luke McKay. I think if I maybe had seen the film and knew more about Mary Poppins, I might be able to come up with a proper name. But it's just, if you haven't seen the film, you don't really know much about it. It's just, I don't know, it's hard. Yeah, possibly. Beth Anslow, Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow. I feel like that's already been used in something. Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow. Not, I don't think so. That's a good title, though. But it's nothing to do with the nanny aspect of it. But not that it matters. Well, it's, you know, Marge losing her hair is what leads to the nanny. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep, so driving, can, driving force of her coming to, to the family. Yeah, we can give it that. That was... Yeah, no, okay. I've definitely seen it before. It's like if you type that in, there's a bunch of headlines, but like news articles and stuff like that that might have used that pun, but not as a Simpsons thing. So that that's a uh, second prize runner-up. All righty. Now, time for some trivia. I will kick off the proceedings this week. Where was the KKK special being held? Uh, the Apollo Theatre. Correct which obviously famous for not being the head of the KKK, <laughs> to, to put it the least, uh, to put it um, calmly. Um, how many cupcakes did Bart throw against the wall in his bedroom? Mm, I'm going to say nine. Okay, I'm going to say six. You now, look? Well, this is my first question was where was the crusty comedy um, held? So, Oh, okay. I, I had to go to the cupcakes as an emergency question. I'm pretty <laughs> sure, though, that it was six because I was going to write it down and then I realized that I already had three questions. We will soon find out when the listeners write in and say, you fools, it was seven. But uh, my next question is, who did Homer play in a Civil War Recreation Society? Ah, oh, that, I believe, was General Ambo's Burnside. Yes, that is true. Now, my second question, Dando, was who did Homer play in the Civil War <laughs> Recreation Society? I knew this was going to happen because these were like the obvious questions. So, now, <laughs> I'll give you another one off the top of my head. How many cupcakes did Bart throw against the wall uh, on the stairs? Uh, five. One. Damn it. <laughs> Where is it legal to sell children? Mississippi. And? It was Springfield. Springfield. Yeah, Springfield and Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my final question is, what drink does Homer hide in Maggie's crib? So you say that again? Sound like what, a tongue twister. What type of drink does Homer hide in Maggie's crib? Uh, 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 
it's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm not going to get it. It's a bottle of schnapps. Schnapps, that's it. Finally, for me, an easy one for you. How much is a beer at Moe's? Two bucks. Oh, two. well, that's not... I mean, two bucks might be enough to buy two beers. You never know. Yeah, maybe. But I just went with two dollars. You know what I mean. You know what I was going for anyway. Mm. Now, Mitch, anything else you want to mention to the listeners before we get into the review? I'd just like to mention that if I sound sniffly, I apologize. Just hay fever is destroying me. So, sorry mm. if I sound a bit clogged up this week. Um, what are, I think anything else that I need to mention can be saved for the mailbag. We had um, some angry people that have written in. People that haven't got an $8 shout, I believe. Oh. Uh, or at the very least, who didn't hear the $8 shout. And okay. I promised that I would say their name this episode. Cool. And I did not save the message. And now I don't remember who it was that sent uh, it to me. So I, I was going to save in the mailbag this week all the people that didn't get a shout out. I'm going to be getting shouted out this week. That's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> ah, okay. Excellent. Um, <laughs> shout out to Anna Bales who pocket messaged us and meant to message someone else. That was uh, that was always enjoyable. What did she write? It was just in the middle of nowhere at, at midnight. Ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and then the next morning. Sorry, that was meant for someone else. How, how like, do you message a page by accident? Yeah, like <laughs> whose who's name were you looking for? <laughs> four-finger discount came up. I don't know what you were hoping to get with a four-finger discount, but... <laughs> Alrighty, so the original air date was February 7th, 1997. The chalkboard gag is, I will not hide the teacher's Prozac. And the couch gag was where the living room is empty and it cuts to outside and Homer has forgotten the keys. The family can't get in. I forgot that couch gag. Oh, really? I feel like I've seen that a lot, unless it was just used in promos or something like that. Like, yeah. Did you ever get the feeling that there were times that Channel 10 would reuse a couch gag for episodes that didn't necessarily have a couch gag? No, I think what Channel 10 used to do, and this is why you probably think that, is that, well, I know this is what they used to do. When they'd go to commercial break, they'd play a couch gag. So yeah, I think, okay. So I think that's why you might think that. So they, they would have the audio still playing, but they'd fade to a couch gag for like the last five seconds before the commercial start. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's probably true. I know they used to always they used to always use the foot one over and over again. Yeah, that's very true. But yeah, so from that, I'm pretty sure that I um have just seen that Homer knocking on the door a lot. Uh, so the episode kicks off with the crusty comedy classic. Uh, just seeing the the letters KKK on screens just it's unsettling. Yeah, and it's not like this is a thing that has only become unsettling with the passage of time. Like it was a deliberately unsettling joke. Mm. Um. Like it's, there's there's absolutely nothing about this that's even remotely politically incorrect because the joke is just how how stupid Krusty is for doing that and the fact that it's held at the Apollo Theater. I like that Apollo Theater is just done as a throwaway line, like they don't cut to a black audience or anything along those lines. Like it's just a quick little that gags there for anyone that wants it, and we're going to move on very quickly and not yes. spend too much time focusing on it <laughs> for good reason. Really, there's no need to get into it. It's just here's the go- here's the joke. Now move on. Hmm. The family are then watching, and Krusty, it's just a terrible special. He's doing dumb pet tricks, and they can't change the channel because Grandpa has a remote, but he thinks it's the phone. Thinks it's the phone, yeah. yeah. All the gags, this kind of thing, it sort of drags a little bit. It kind of feels a bit like filler, because it doesn't really have anything to do with the story. But like we said, hmm. they they were really they, they were well behind time, and they had to pad it out with things like the Itchy and Scratchy episode and things like that. NYPD Shoe and Mad About Shoe, I did find funny. Mad about Shudo is very dated now because no one, if I don't reckon anyone who was born after you know, say nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, would even have any idea what Mad about you is. Tell me why I love you like I do. Um, that's very true. In fact, I don't think anyone from that age would know who Paul Reiser is, or possibly even Helen Hunt. Maybe Helen Hunt because you might see see her in family films, 
But Paul Reiser's not in much. Not for a while. When was the last time Helen Hunt was in anything? But I mean, if they go back and watch films from the past, she was in more films oh. than what Paul Reiser was. That's okay. I'm with you for that. Yeah. Paul, Paul Reiser, excellent in Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. Hmm. Yeah. He, did you know he sang the theme song for Mad About You? Oh, did he? No, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure that's true. Can you Google that to make sure it's correct? <laughs> Is that where Kelsey Grammy got the idea from? Possibly. Or did, no, Fraser came before Mad About You, did it not? Uh, I have no idea. It would have been about the same time. Would have but been, it's, yeah. It's weird though that Mad About You, it just has no, um, it's just got no syndication at all, Mad About You. Final Frontier was composed by Paul Reiser. Uh, yeah. Paul Reiser. Yeah. I, don't yeah. Know how well, I, fucking, I don't know how I knew that, but... <laughs> I reckon I've seen probably three episodes of Mad About You. It was just one of those shows that was on, but I was, I just had no interest in ever watching it. Hmm. It just looked yeah. it, it looked like your cliche, boring sitcom, but it was huge in the 90s. Look, good cast. Helen Hunt, Paul Reiser, uh, Richard Kind. Uh, it, it, like Richard Kind is hilarious in everything that he does. So there's three pretty heavy hitters straight away. Whenever I think of Mad About You, I think of the Simpsons gag from Bart the Fink where the bus goes past on the bus that says, it's quick, quick freeze frame. Why aren't you watching Mad About You? Because it was on at the same time. <laughs> so we then get Bart. Uh, he fakes for milk because he says he needs a drink. And Marge says, get it yourself. He, doesn't, he can't. Pretends he's got a sore throat. So Marge just gets up and does it. She asks, does anybody want anything? This has happened to everybody at some point. Do you need me to do anything? Whatever. No, no, no. You sit down. Oh, wait. Actually, can you do this for me? It's like, mm. Jesus. I'm, I feel like that's something that Ash would do to you. Purely by accident. Because Nicola does it by accident all the time as well. Pure, yeah, purely by accident. Sorry, Ash has just walked into the room. Hey, Ash. And has a sad face for some reason. Hi, Ash. Oh, this isn't this isn't for recording. <laughs> um, Ash has had a um, tanning mishap. Oh, this is for recording. Please continue. Um, get Bob, Ash on the microphone now. Bob, could you just repeat what you just said to get, me? Get Ash on the mic. I just broke my fake tan bottle and it was glass and it went all over the bathroom. And oh, now so, I'm sad. Oh, see, Mitch talked it up. He said you had a fake tanning mishap. And it sounded like it was going to be an incredible story, like the like Ross from Friends, where you get half and half. Half and half? What, like, is in half the face tanned and half, or half the body tanned and half not? Because he, like, he, goes, he, goes, no, he goes into the order machine and it, he, it, it tans his front but not his back. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, I should point out, by the way, that Ash isn't able to hear you because I'm listening to you with headphones on. So, uh, <laughs> okay, so I'm, I, I'm wondering why to... she didn't respond to me. <laughs> yeah, I've taken the conversation back over. So apologies for that. That was a slightly <laughs> awkward thing. But hey, people wanted more of Ash on the podcast and they've now got sad Ash. And uh, it's funny that you should ask, you know, does do, do, do I get asked, you know, to kind of try to help out with things at the exact moment that Ash comes in to tell me that there's broken glass all over the floor. <laughs> Is the floor now tanned? Uh, the floor will be tanned in approximately four to six hours. It has to let it sit for a while and then we can wash it off. <laughs> I just imagine like Ash cleans up the glass and just like rolls on the floor just to try and soak up whatever she can. <laughs> so anyway, getting back to the episode, Lisa finds hair in the soup. And clearly what they're doing here is setting up another Marge's stressed story. It's kind of something they've gone to a few times now, isn't it? Uh, Marge's stressed? Yeah, it is. It's... um. Which is a bit of a shame. You kind of want them to be able to come up with more things to do with March, but I, I guess it, at the same time, it's the kind of the obvious one to go to. But when you think about it, Marge, she would have to be the hardest character to write for. Uh, there's yeah, just not much, that, there's just not much to her. Well, yeah, she doesn't by not having a job, and by the virtue of the fact that all the other family members are up to so much, they're very rarely at home. There's just very rarely a lot that she can get herself into. Yeah, which is a shame because I, 
they probably could have explored more with the character earlier on and given her a bit of substance, but because they didn't, mm. they're just kind of left with situations like this. Marge is stressed because she's you know, being, not abused by the family, but taken advantage of. They just assume she'll do everything for them. Mm. Um, so we get the Gerald Ford gag with Krusty. He's making fun of him. Then I really dug this montage with the hair, with hair playing over the top. Yeah, that was very cool. I, I, I really liked Homer's first response when he just grabs the handful of it, that big tuft that comes out. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know? Do you know? Uh, I'm sure Nicola won't mind me mentioning this, but you know, she had Elliot three months ago. Apparently, mm. part of uh, part of the the process of after giving birth to a child, you go through like the hormone change. Nicola's hair starting to fall out. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah. So I feel what they do well in this episode is Marge's pain is very believable because mm. whilst it's not a lot of hair of Nicola's falling out, it's just something that I guess for a female. I know hair is very precious to them, to, to some of them, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, it's well, just... to a lot of men at the yeah, same time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's it's, true. Yeah, shouldn't just yeah. say female. Yeah, it's. I think it's because it's a sign of aging. Like, it's a very, very clear, measurable sign of aging. If your hair suddenly starts falling out, then it's uh, not only that, but also your identity to an extent. Like, you know, people. The reason people get a haircut every week, a, is to look neat, but b, is to kind of shape the image that they want to portray to people. So, yeah. Yeah, to lose that can be a really deflating thing. Yeah, and, and Marge's pain when she explains it to Homer, Homer screams at first when he first sees it. And he, <laughs> I just, he, the delivery from Julie here is just is perfect. Like she, just, she just cries, but the way it's like her, her pain is just very believable. This is when she re- removes the Bubba Mabushka? Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great uh, word. Not only is the scream great from Homer, but the way they animated his own hair. I don't know if you noticed, but his couple wiggly lines go flying up in the air. Do they really? I didn't notice yeah, that. it's very funny. I do like the visual of Marge with Homer's hair as well. Homer's hair, the comb over so no one can notice. Yes. They go to Dr. Hibbert, or she goes to Dr. Hibbert, and he just simply cannot figure it out at all. There's no physical reason why she, her hair should be falling out. She's not mm-hmm. that old. Uh, then Bart and Lisa call up and he realizes that it's stress. So she then goes home and tells the family that Dr. Hibbert suggested that they get help, like in form of a nanny. The kids then say, you know what, mum, we'll do whatever it takes to, to help you out. We'll give up certain things. So what does Lisa... Lisa gives up... Uh, oh, what was it? Um, I wrote down MS. What did that stand for? MS. Oh, it's the uh, Malibu Stacey clothing. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And that's what MS would stand for. The problem is when I was watching the episode, I wrote down MS thinking, of course, that'll be Malibu Stacey. But then... Some hours later, I looked at MS and just went, multiple sclerosis? Why would she be? <laughs> I'll see on the MS walkathon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give up donating to the MS Institute. Yeah. <laughs> and what's Bart going to do? Bart's going to take up smoking and then give that up. And then he gets paid a dollar for... for Lisa, do you yeah. know, not know how hard it is to give up smoking? <laughs> yeah. Giving up smoking is one of the hardest things you'll do. Have yeah. a dollar. <laughs> Speaking of, I want to give a shout out to my Uncle Darren and his partner, Doug. I guess I call him Uncle Doug. He, uh, they've given up smoking, gone cold turkey, 15 weeks now. That's amazing. Good on them. Yeah, saved nearly $4,000 as well in the process. To anyone out there that might be currently giving up smoking or battling their way through that, good on you. It's yeah. a difficult thing to do. Um, I'll wager against every single one of you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think in the long run, I'll win out. <laughs> Uh, all this, my uncles have saved nearly $4,000 in three months. It's incredible. Jesus, how much were they smoking? Uh, it was costing them about $60 a day or something. Like, like One was smoking nearly a pack a day and one was smoking half a pack. Bloody hell. I don't know how much that is. I don't know how many is in a pack or anything, but yeah, nearly, nearly uh, a full pack and then half a pack. Is it like 25? I feel like it's 25. Uh, well, I think no, I think my uncle, was, one of them was smoking like 30 something and one of them was smoking 20. Oh, 
Where do you find the time? Well, see, they weren't having breakfast. They would have three smokes at breakfast. What, ten smokes before they went out? <laughs> That's <laughs> what happened. Well, it's just a case. You don't understand, like, 30 years ago, dude, like, smoking, it was just the thing to do. And it's just, for example, I will want to have a drink of water at work. They would r- rather yeah. have a drink of water than just have a cigarette. No, I get, I, I get that. I get the addiction and I get where it came from. I just don't get, like, in this day and age where you can't just smoke at work casually anymore and you can't smoke inside and you can't smoke near doors and you can't smoke in a, a, in a um, nursery... Uh, political correctness gone mad that like how do you find the time to 30 times a day be outside with five minutes to spare and not get fired well like, oh, that, that, that's, that's the true. bit that doesn't make sense well it's the case of cramming as many into half an hour as you can like i said they would smoke three cigarettes and have a cup of coffee for breakfast instead of eating food yeah yeah okay and then have two smokes on the way to work and then so yeah. you probably have like five to ten before you even start yeah, it's it's insane, but it's, it happens. But yeah, just want to give him a shout out for doing a great job. They're the calmest and thinnest men you'll ever see. <laughs> Comple- com- complete opposite, actually. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Fat, chubby stress heads. <laughs> Homer then has to uh, give up his Civil War Recreation Society. This has nothing to do with anything, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it is a, like as non-sequitur as it gets. And the fact that everyone is at Moe's dressed up yeah, it's something like, that they all do together. But why would they be dressed up and ready to go if Homer's at home not dressed up and ready to go? Don't. Doesn't don't, make sense. Yeah, it doesn't have to make sense. It's just a cartoon. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but like we said, it's just a bunch of gags here just to fill the space in between. Like, I guess just fill the space in between Marge's story and Sherry Bobbin. So mm. the nannies then all start arriving. Actually, this might be my favorite episode. Uh, sorry, my favorite moment in the whole episode. When he accuses her of being Mrs. Doubtfire, then Marge says, Homer, if you do this to every applicant, we're never going to get anywhere. Another one rocks <laughs> up and he chases her again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. It's A, the, the delivery on every applicant. So it leaves you in your head to think how many has he done it to? Yeah. <laughs> he says, and, I'm yeah, sorry. Said, then and seconds it later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And all the nannies are Penny Feather and Penny Wickle. <laughs> Kenny then arrives and he's... He, Homer thinks he's good for the job, but Marge is not having it at all, is she? For good reason, really. But what is it if any kids get out of line? Wham! Bam! <laughs> I feel like that would be your on your resume if you were going to apply to be a nanny. <laughs> uh, yeah, that and unlikely to sleep with your husband would be <laughs> the other one. <laughs> Bart and Lisa then put together a little jingle. Now, for this podcast, I think we will play a portion of the songs, not the full song, because we like mm-hmm. this podcast. We don't want Fox to sue us. Mm-hmm. So exactly let's, play, right. let's, let's play a portion of the song, shall we? If Maggie's fussy, don't avoid her. Let me get away with moiter. Teach us songs and magic tricks. Might I add, no fat chicks. Homer! It's a nice little jingle they put together there. But I do find, I've always found it, it doesn't make sense that they end the song with anyone but him how were they to know that Grandpa was going to walk in and say that? Unless it was pre-planned. <laughs> um, I guess it's just musical improv. It's like Wayne Brady, that they can just <laughs> go with it. Whose Line Is It Anyway style. Hmm. Great show. If anyone's never watched Whose Line Is It Anyway, make sure you get out and watch uh, that. Yeah, I don't know about great, but good. You don't like um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? I think. No, I like it. You can watch it once a day, not too many in a row. Not too many in a row. And the problem with it is you do realize as you get older that it's awfully contrived. Like, I, if I was to sit down and watch something like that, I'd prefer to watch Thank God You're Here, where it's just five minutes of unedited improv as opposed to how many lines have been left on the cutting room floor with Whose Line Is It Anyway? You, th- you think it's contrived? 
Yes. So, you, so what? What? So, what do you, what do you mean by that exactly? That there is a American. I, I don't want to lump it on Americans because they did this in the British show as well. But I think there is a sense of let's say that it's improv, but we'll also give you a bit of a heads up as to where it's going. Like there is absolutely no chance that when they just sat down to do the news desk things that they would come up with those little one-liner jokes about you know thanks for to such and such for reporting from the whatever they weren't coming up with those off the top of their head every single time that's just not possible to be done or is it just you jealous of their of their improbability no no it's me being realistic (laughs) i want to get wayne brady on the show you versus wayne (laughs) no well look wayne brady's another one where it's it's improv in the is as much as there's probably 15% of the songs that he does on stage that are being changed, but 85% of his song is locked down, I think. And it's just, if you saw Wayne That's Brady... a bold statement to throw out there with no fact. <laughs> nah, I'm... Yeah, well, look, it might be, but prove me wrong. I reckon if you saw Wayne Brady twice, you'd be very disappointed. Ooh, like the first, the shade first has time... Been thrown. <laughs> No, it, look, that's no different to any comedian that does that. So, where are you from, mate? Uh, what do you do for work? Oh, you're a baker. And then he does five minutes on bakers and everyone goes, oh, wasn't it hilarious what he thought of when he just made up all of that stuff about bakers to the guy in the front row? Like, No, he's had those jokes for the last 15 years. He's just <laughs> contrived it to make it seem fresh. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm very interested to get Wayne Brady on the show now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately for my argument, Wayne Brady is beyond our budget. Yes. So. <laughs> Far beyond anything. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh this is where Sherry Bobbins conveniently flies in to save the day. And mm-hmm. it is nice here. It's something I never really picked up on when I was a bit younger. Did you say Mary Poppins? No, 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 no. Did not say Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is pretty cool. The uh was it Ronald Ronald Rouse and uh wait, hang on. Not Ronald Rouse, that's that's two different characters completed. <laughs> I know, I was like, what the hell is that? Um, Rick, Ricky, Ricky Rouse, Rouse and Model Muck. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that Sherry's first words are, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> she sort of catches herself on the power lines. Well, she sort of gets, gets a sense of what's going to be coming when she goes through the smog of the power mm. plant and nearly gets tangled in the wires. It's like, mm. you should turn around now. <laughs> to be fair, she would have had a fair bit of... Um, Smog in London with chimneys and all that sort of stuff back in the day. So not, she not should have been. nuclear power plant smog though. Not nuclear smog, but smog nonetheless. Soot. I like Grandpa's put me down for one of each. I think it's like a diaper change yeah. and something else. Have you noticed that Grandpa has pretty much just been, apart from like flying hellfish, or apart from when he is actually central to a story, he's just been reduced to appearing in the Simpsons house, delivering a line, and then not being seen or heard from again. It's kind of like the Flying Hellfish was his last hurrah for a while, isn't it? Almost, yeah. It's just wherever we've got a funny... Like, oh, we'll insert Grandpa here with the funny gag, but there's no purpose to him being there. There's no sense to him being there other than... He's almost like um, Dickie Knee from Hey Hey It's Saturday or Trevor, Mar- <laughs> Trevor Marmalade on the footy show. He just puts his hand up, says his joke, and then he disappears. <laughs> Trevor Marmalade was perfect for the footy show, though. For anyone that's never seen the AFL football show, it was basically a panel show... Trevor Marmalade was the stand-up comedian in amongst all of these reporters and football players. And it would just be... He, behind he the was bar. Never, behind a bar, off like side stage. So he was never on camera. And he would just always... He'd basically oh, he put his hand up. he was on camera when he spoke, though. When he spoke. Yeah, but yeah. off... So there'd be nothing 
and then you just get this, oh, Trev, and then the camera would cut to him. And he'd say, like, it's the most pressure ever for a comedian because you're not just coming in with a line. You've actually got to go, I have something here, <laughs> and, and, and wait for Eddie Maguire to give the permission to tell the joke. And so that was improv. Uh Mostly, but I think he also had some... Trev had pre-work stuff as well. Sometimes the, the, the players would banter back with him, though. And I'm telling you, the players aren't smart enough to have premeditated jokes. So when they would talk no. back to him, those gags that he would throw back at them were definitely improv And usually they were pretty funny. Like they were, he, was, yeah. he was a great asset. And the fact that they replaced him with fucking Husey was mind-boggling. Ah, uh, look, he, let's not get into the a dissertation on Trevor Marmalade's career. But I think he also... He was on the way down when they got rid of him. You reckon? Yes. You just, I'm just shitting on everybody this week. I love it. Just <laughs> throwing shade on people much more successful than me. That's fun to do. <laughs> it's the Australian way. <laughs> uh, we come back from commercial and Homer is questioning Sherry. Now, Miss Bobbins, if you want this job, you're going to have to answer a few questions. First, do you have any bad habits? No, I'm practically perfect in every way. Well, so am I. Okay, question two. Who was your last employer? Lord and Lady Huffington of Sussex. Arch, do we know them? No. Come on, isn't he the guy I bowl with? The black guy. That's Carl. Oh, yeah. So, you work for Carl, eh? This gag here, I'm not sure... I don't know, it kind of like... It sounded odd to hear it on a, on a cartoon now, when he goes, do I know him? Is, is, is it him? The black guy? No, that's Carl. I'm like, I oh know, referencing someone as the black guy, it just seemed odd to hear Homer say that. I've never actually heard that gay before. It must have just gone over my head. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think you're still allowed to say... Are you allowed to say the black guy anymore? I think you are. I was okay. listening to Serial Season 3, and I reckon Sarah Koenig referred, like, you know, used black as a descriptor for someone, which probably because she was telling a story about race relations, so it made sense to say the white cop beating up a black man. That there's no there's no way of getting around it. He's it, it would be more clumsy if he went Carl the African American I go bowling with. Yes, it does sound odd, but I don't know. Just hearing the black guy, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard someone referenced as the black guy on The Simpsons, have we? Um, the I don't black know. guy. I don't think so. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Bart then asks about the play dude. But basically, all Sherry does here is she just wins the family over. She seems mm. too good to be true. She slides, this, up the, slides up the stairs and the kids are all excited and everything. It is actually a little bit of a Mrs. Doubtfire moment where it's like Robin Williams when he comes in and just nails the interview process about like, you know, homework will be done by seven o'clock and all that sort of stuff. Like it's just um, that real, yeah, this is a perfect woman. In saying that though, it's because he knew the family. <laughs> uh, true. But it, it was it just the, the scene had a similar vibe. Robin Williams nailed everything in that movie. That, that, that's one of the yeah. most iconic... Like, if you're a 90s kid, you cannot go an entire year without watching Mrs. Doubtfire. No. And if you're 30, you want to throw in Tootsie as well. Tootsie I've never watched. Oh, you should. I, I've, I've, I've heard it's amazing, yeah. It's a, yeah, no, it's a tremendous movie. And anyway, uh, Hoffman gives a fantastic performance, but they are, they're the two pinnacles. Like when you want to talk about cross-dressing films, there's Tootsie and Mrs. Doubtfire, and then there's everything else. We then get the Cut Every Corner song. If you cut every corner, you'll have more time for play. It's the American way. Great song, isn't it? It's just so... 
It's the best song in the episode, even though it's not my personal favorite. I think it is, yeah. And it, what I like is it, it does ring true to me. Like it reminds me of, look, rather than pay the ten dollar entrance fee to go to the tip or the landfill here, it's just I live in a new estate, so there's a lot of skip bins, and oh yes, <laughs> one of them is bound to be unlocked. <laughs> so it's just. I think for the first two and a half years, I would have disposed of about 30 kilos worth of rubbish and none of it went through a trailer. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> and even though they say it's the American way, we all live this way. Yeah, certainly in Australian way, probably the English way, maybe not the Japanese way. I feel like they're very uh, Clean. efficient. Yeah, yes. like they'll, they'll go the extra yard. I've watched them make samurai swords. There's no cutting corners there. Homer then slams the door and everything just becomes unstuck. It just goes back to the way it was. Sort of like... The episode, their family just goes back to the way they were. You cannot fix things. Mm. They're then walking through the park. And I, I do like the uh, also the score of this episode. Just even when she's not singing, you can just hear the, the Mary Poppins themed music throughout the entire episode. Just gives it that <laughs> real unique feel. Everyone in, in the park loves Sherry Bobbins. I like to think that, because even like Snake and Nelson like it, I like to think that she has a bit of a badass past to her. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'd like that because she's certainly... Um, it, yeah, it could go one or two ways. Either she's had a badass pass or she's just one of those, you know, she works at a soup kitchen or something like that. Or she did, um, she spent some time as a bookings clerk working for the police department. Like, she's just sort of been everywhere. Have you seen Jim Carrey's new show on Stan? Uh, no, what's it called? Mr. Something or other? No, no, it's, it's one word. I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, mm. he, he plays a character called Mr. Somebody. He's a take on um, Mr. Rogers, I reckon. Okay. Uh, you know Mr. Rogers, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's an episode, there's a start to an episode where these criminals are ransacking a car. They're stealing all the tires. They take the tires off. They go through the, they open up the boot, and they realize because he has this like guitar that he sings. They open up the boot. Spoiler, by the way, it's just literally a thirty second opener for an episode. Open mm. up the boot, and his guitar's in the boot. And they look at each other and go, "Oh no, 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 we can't do that to this guy." So they quickly close the boot again, and they put the tires back on, and they leave before he actually realizes what's happened. I kind of mm. get the fight. Maybe snakes like that. It's just Sherry's one of those people where yeah. even criminals are just like. You can't do anything to this person. Like, we yeah. all love this guy. He's too nice. I think that's, uh, without having seen the episode, that's very apt. Um, it's just occurred to me, by the way, that we need to wrap up in 15 minutes and we're about just over halfway. <laughs> Let's go through it then. So then uh, we get the take on Dick Van Dyke's One Man Band, like we said, with Willie singing the song. I, I love that you've just got into overdrive now. <laughs> with you. <laughs> I play like people when they listen to the podcast on time speed, like yeah. times two or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a maniac, maniac, that's for sure. And I'm dancing like I've never danced before. Gah! That's the stuff. Yeah. Thank you, you ungrateful boss. Sherry Bobbins, is that you? Hello, Willie. You'd know her? Hey, Sherry Bobbins and I were engaged to be wed back in the old country. Then she got her eyesight back. Suddenly, the ugliest man in Glasgow wasn't good enough for her. It's good to see you, Willie. That's not what you said the first time you saw me. It really, like I said, it was really funny. Good to see you. That's not what you said the first time. Then, did you notice the uh, the real life kind of boy um, or what he was saying? So, Ripper strikes again in Whitechapel. So, no. as much as it's like, it's 1800s, obviously, Jack the Ripper. But I just thought that that was a, a nice touch to go back to like Victorian era London. And then... Skinner with Boy for Sale. This is one of my favourite ever Skinner moments. Boy for sale. Boy for sale. Is this legal, man? Only here and in Mississippi. 
We then have people flying kites. And this is a take mm-hmm. on the end of the Mary Poppins film. Where it's Let's mm-hmm. Go Fly a Kite. In the, the uh, Saving Mr. Banks film, this is the song that won her over. The person that wrote Mary Poppins. What was ah, her name? I can't yeah. quite remember her name. But this is because she didn't want to have the film at all. She just didn't like the song. She was shitting on everything. Mm-hmm. And she heard that the guys composing this song. And that's when she goes, you know what? This is going to be a great film. And this is the song, the song that won her over. We don't hear the song so much, but we, uh, Mr. Burns is playing like the uh, the main dad, I guess you could say, from the film. She gives him the kite. He's loving the kite, and then lightning strikes, and his heart starts beating again. So even though he's yeah. been struck by lightning, what she's done has resulted in him having a beating heart again. So he, he loves <laughs> her for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that takes me back. Yes. Marge is then just over the moon with the impact that Sherry Bobbins is having on the family. Her, her hair's growing back. Then she puts the umbrella in her hair. Kind of kinky that, uh, that Homer says, leave it in. <laughs> Like, what's going to happen um, upstairs with that umbrella? Where is it going? Just for the record, sorry, just for the record, I've looked up Saving Mr. Banks and I believe it was Emma Thompson who wrote Mary Poppins. <laughs> it was P.L. Travers. I was going to say, I don't think it was Emma Thompson. <laughs> but I was going to just let you go with it. I didn't uh, know that uh, Tom Hanks was the head of Disney, by the way. I just completely <laughs> missed that. <laughs> he does do a great job at playing Walt Disney, though, in the film. But Tom Hanks I'm does sure a great job with everything. Actually, that's a hell of a cast. Sorry, I know we've it's said... F- have you not I know seen I've the said we're short for time. No. Emma Thompson, Tom Hanks, Colin Farrell, Ruth Wilson, Paul Giamatti, Bradley Whitford, Jason Schwartzman. Where are we? It's eight o'clock, children. Time for bed. But we're not sleepy. Sing us a song, Sherry Bobbins. Yes, yeah, sing us a song. I've been singing you songs all day. I'm not a bloody jukebox. I like her responses. I'm not a bloody jukebox. Like, yeah. You know, although this episode is a, a musical, essentially, her life, she, like, she's still a person. <laughs> like, she, she doesn't want to be singing the whole time. It's also the first sign of a crack that the Simpsons family is a bit too much for her. That is true. Yeah, yeah, that is true. She then sings two bucks a beer. Buy me a beer, two bucks a glass. Come on. Help me, I'm freezing my ass. Buy me brandy, a snifter of wine. Who am I kidding? I'll drink turpentine. Move it, you drunk, or I'll blast your rear end. I found two bucks. Then come in, my friend. Like I said, it's my favourite because I just love the delivery in the way, like you said, they get they really portray Mo as Mo. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that she's just like it's such a slum in it kind of area for her to be aware that this world even exists, but she's very across it. I also like the animation of the snow over the top. Mm. It looks nice. Um, yeah, it's kind of a nice touch. And the fact that Mose is drawn without its usual businesses on the side to kind of emphasise the snow globe effect that it, uh, that we were cutting into is a nice ju- little touch. It just says beer. Mm. Sherry Bobbins then leaves because her job's done. The family are all better off. They're eating kippers. They're all wearing suits at the table. They have English accents, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> she leaves and then immediately they just break into chaos once again. I love Lisa just beating something and walking past. Like she's just Yeah, just beating a pot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she returns and she actually, she's trapped anyway because Grandpa steals her umbrella back. Well, he doesn't steal it, but he flies off with it. How does she get that umbrella back? Uh, Grandpa crashes into the tree later. So she walks back oh, outside and he's there in the tree. Of course. Still holding it. Of course. Uh, we come back from commercial and Shari Bobbins is now simply, she's just over it. What I do like is they change her costume. 
She no longer looks like Mary Poppins. Yeah. She looks like a maid. She now looks like a maid. Yeah, just like a run-of-the-mill housemaid. There is a bit of an animation error a little bit later on. I'll get into when when we get up to it. So Mm. Bart, he's... Little more, little more. He's just being a little shit. Is what Too he's Too much. Doing. Take it back. Yes, I think he does. The, he does the same thing to Lisa in with the peas, doesn't he? In my, uh, my, yes, which he we does. have yet to review. So this was the first mm. time they did that. Then I'm watching the the movie show, and we get the, the and again. This has nothing to do with anything, but we get Rainier Wolfcastle as a son, as a as a child, I should say. Welcome back to before they were famous. We all know Rainier Wolfcastle as the star of the blockbuster McBain movies, but here's his first appearance in a commercial in his native Austria. Mein Bratwurst has a first name, it's F-R-I-T-C. Mein Bratwurst has a second name, it's S-C-H-N-A-C-K-E-N-P-F-E-F-F-E-R-H-A-U-S-E-N. It's a funny song, but it makes no sense. It is. I know that the first name was Fritsch, and the second name was too hard to keep up with. The family, they're just being really rude to Sherry now. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're doing to Sherry what they're doing to Marge. Just Lady, the man asked for a beer, not a song. Yeah, that's... Eh, Fuck you, you little shithead. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would like to think that I would raise my child, I'd raise Elliot to not be rude to people like that. <laughs> I'd like to think that I'd do the opposite. <laughs> you wouldn't think, you would make sure that your child is like that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want it to be a little shit. No. That'd, be, um, that'd be a different story. Bart is then, th- he doesn't say, he's not throwing cupcakes. What is it, is it heaving? He's Hucking? whipping. Whipping cupcakes. <laughs> whipping cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang on, before, before that... Before that, it would be remiss of us not to touch on um, Jimmy Cagney in um, in was it, uh, the Andy Griffith show. Yes, I sh- I shot him. <laughs> it <was just laughs> uh, there's lots of there's actually a lot of parodies in this. Even the Itchy and Scratchy is a Pulp Fiction parody. Yeah, and and laying it on again by showing like including the parody of Quentin Tarantino trying to you know just over talk and over explain his own movies, yes. his own choices. Yep, yep. Then we get the Bart whipping cupcakes at the wall. It looks like something that would be fun to do. It must have been the thick icing for them all to stick there. I yeah, I got to be honest. I might I kind of salivated a little bit unless they, unless they weren't cooked long enough and they were still a bit mushy. Yeah, but even that could still be good. Oh no, no, it's good. But I'm just yeah. saying that's why they stuck mm. to the wall. Mm. I, 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 know, I know this is a little bit off topic, but hey, what the hell? We'll go over time. So when it comes to chocolate, Nicola is a chocolate in the fridge. I'm a chocolate in the cupboard because I like it slightly melted. What are you? Uh, it depends on the block. For me. Well, I'm, I'm talking chocolate Cadbury Easter Bunny. Chocolate Cadbury Easter Bunny I want in the fridge because it's a thinner chocolate and I want it to be kind of flaky and almost have like a consistency of a chip or a potato chip or something so I could bite into it and feel a bit of a crunch. Oh, no. I'm if the opposite. It's, I, like, I like mush. I like it just to just melt in my mouth. If it's a dairy milk block and it's a bit thicker, then I want it covered and I'm going to hold it in my mouth for some time and sort of let it melt. If it's a fruit and nut, needs to be cupboard bound. Crunchy chocolate could go either way. Cadbury Breakaway, which I don't believe is even done anymore, but because that was mostly wafer based, and again the chocolate was a bit thinner, I was happy for the chocolate to be in the fridge. See, I'm just not fridge. I'm anti fridge. I just don't like cold chocolate. It's got to be warm. <laughs> anti fridge. It's got to be warm. <laughs> Come around to your place, and there's just meat hanging from the ceiling, like a deli, like Kramer when he takes over Jerry's kitchen. I thought it was a ritual killing of some kind. I didn't want to ask you questions. <laughs> we did have two dogs once. <laughs> That's awful. Uh, Lisa is then watching Itchy and Scratchy. Even she's lazy. I find it, when I was watching this, I sort of thought Lisa wouldn't be like this. I don't know. I don't like it when they make Lisa 
mm. rude and lazy just for the sake of the story because that's that's the yeah. opposite of what she is. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing that maybe if it was school holidays or something, she might do it to her parents, but I can't see her doing it to a stranger. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So then now I've looked it up. This is the first issue in Scratchy Cartoon we've had since the day the violence died. Which really? Which was, I, I, cause when I watched it, I thought, man, it feels like a long time since we've seen an itchy yeah. cartoon. I looked it up. Yeah, it's the first one of season eight, and it's like episode 13 or something. Wow. I wonder if they did The Day the Violence Died as a way to stop having to come up with itchy and scratchy ideas. And then maybe they've thought of one now. The next episode's itchy and scratchy and poochie show, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It just, it just it, I feel like when you reflect on the golden era, but like the first nine seasons of The Simpsons, if, if it almost feels like there's an itchy and scratchy cartoon like in every second episode, but there's just not. Mm. There's not as many as you as you think. No. I, it, the thing with them is it's just so hard to place when they come because they're never or very rarely directly connected to the story. So, they just kind of all swirl around in your head, which probably contributes to making it feel like there's more of them, if that makes sense. Now, there's probably a few listeners out there that were uh, raging before when I said that the uh, Itchy and Scratchy was a Pulp Fiction parody. It's actually Reservoir Dogs. Oh, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We knew what you meant. Because we've already, ha- we've already had the Pulp Fiction parody, haven't we? Uh, I don't know, but it includes an element of Pulp Fiction With when the they music? start dancing at the end. As yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's Reservoir Dogs. That ear scene, man. Ooh. <laughs> Hold still. Yeah, but the the um, it's the soaring of the ear. That's what gets you. But it happens off camera. But your seams start to soar. No, uh, kind of. Not on the actual ear. You might see his arm move. You don't see the blade. No, I know. I know. It's it's, it's more of visual uh, visualizing in your head like I said you don't actually mm. see the ear but you seem like imagine someone not just cutting you off but soaring through it mm. oh yeah not good I feel like it would be not good now you know it, like if you've ever had a pimple in your ear when you pop it you get that really satisfying crackling sound I feel like the pain of someone soaring your ear off would be awful but it would be mixed with this audio sensation that you've never had before that would be a little bit interesting. I think you are a strange, strange man because that would uh, not it would not sound good, dude. Just imagine it making its way through the gristle just at the back there. Just it would mm. it was the blood that would instantly it'd come be, out. It would sound like when you go into a pool and your ears full of water. It'd be like hot bacon on a frying pan, just being ready to be devoured. Mitch, you're scaring us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Sherry. Runs off upset because she's just she cannot even even Lisa's being rude to her. She just cannot upset uh, cannot mm. believe that the family's been this way. She cannot believe that a she's failed. I guess you could say because she, she she's sends her off to her. sends her off to Margaritaville. Yes, yeah, she she's a drunk herself, isn't she? Just mm. slumming up with Barney. <laughs> even the kids though, the kids realize that they've they've made a mistake here. Now this is where the animation error comes into it. So she's sitting there having a few drinks with Barney in her maid outfit. The family then walk down the stairs and they notice her. And they walk over to, to comfort her and apologize, and she's automatically in her Mary Poppins outfit again. Yeah, true. But, but she's a magical character. So <laughs> I knew that was gonna I'm be willing response. to go with it. <laughs> that would be the writer's response as well, too. <laughs> yeah. It's like when David Copperfield, you know, just he, he was on one side of the great of the Great Wall of China and then he's on the other side of the Great Wall of China. It's not an animation er- error. It's magic. He's just a, he's, he's a magic, magic man. Did you ever watch The Masked Magician when you were a kid? The breaking the magician's code. Yes, yeah, uh, I did show. occasionally. Uh, I liked it when I was younger. Very quickly, it became really full of itself and started to annoy me. Oh, well, there was only four episodes. Oh, really? Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like there was forty. They just replayed them over and over and over again. But yeah, you watch it as an adult, and it's like, eh, it's kind of campy. 
kind of, yeah. Yeah. And also, stop giving away the secrets, you douche. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, well, he had to go into hiding for a long time. As he should have. <laughs> because he takes the mask off in the um in the last episode and he was a, a world-renowned magician. And apparently he did it... What His excuse was he did it as a way to encourage new magicians to think of new tricks and not be stuck doing the, the same old magic tricks that everyone's seen a million uh, times before. So there was, a, there was a motive to it. But yeah, I can, it, it was sort of killing off the old, the old breed and mm. paving the way and uh, uh, having like a, a, a blank canvas for, the, for future magicians, I guess you could say. Yeah, okay. It's kind of like how by downloading movies from torrent websites, I'm just... Can, I'm creating a blank canvas for Hollywood to make something fresh and creative. So then the family just admits to her that, you know, we're happy the way we are. Like, you don't have to try and change us. Don't be upset. You haven't failed. It's just we will never change. We prefer it that way. And she she can't believe that, can she? Uh, no, and rightly so. Like, I'd be a little bit shocked if you've shown people the light and then they've turned around and gone, no, nah, we're just going to go back to, to be, being slobs. You'd be like, but, but you were... You were working. You were doing well. But like we said, though, even the cut every corner, like we, we all have elements of the Simpsons family in us. I don't think we, I don't think I would want to live the way she was leaving them. You need some form, form of chaos in your life, don't you? Yeah, I feel like you do. It just makes things a, bit, a little bit more interesting. If everything was perfect all the time, how boring would life be? Um, I don't know. Definition, Ask dep- depend, de- <laughs> Depends what perfect is, though, I guess. Yeah. Oh, actually, I saw Gary Ablett on Saturday night. Gary Ablett Jr. on the subject of perfection. Uh, I was mere feet away from him yeah, in what was, line. What was he doing? What was he lining up for? Grilled burgers. He was collecting a phone order for John. And that threw me. I was like, is that a fake name? Um, there's no, and if it there's is no a fake John name, on, the, on the Geelong team, is there? Uh, Johnny Barnes? Maybe he's hanging out with him and his old man. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Maybe his partner's dad's name's John? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I was sort of there going, you wouldn't have given a fake name to then go in and collect it yourself. Uh, but I feel like Gary Abbott's one of those people where, like, he's been in Geelong for a year now. I don't mm. think it's as big of a deal having him just walking around the streets. It's like, oh, yeah, Gaz is back. Yeah, probably. Like, I, I, it was one of those things that, you know, I, I did my best to not make a thing of it. Plus, I didn't want him to turn around and be like, hey, you Mitch from Four Finger Discount and ask for an autograph. And then it gets all kinds of awkward. Uh, you know, sometimes you just want to enjoy your meal. <laughs> so Sherry leaves, and like we said, getting killed by the plane. It's a kind of when you're a kid, you kind of like, oh, you know, she just got killed by that plane, mm. but it was fitting. It made sense. You needed to get it's rid of it. It's very funny. Yes, it's it, also I I really love the muted sound effect of it. just like, thump. yeah, it's, 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 like, a, it's like, like a pigeon exploding. <laughs> uh, yeah, or a pillow vac- vacuuming a sock. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it sounds like. It, without the vacuum going crazy, obviously. Mm, yeah, without the without the like yeah. that comes after it, but just that initial. <laughs> you know what it sounds like? The guy, the is it Charlie getting sucked up the tube in Burns's office? Oh yeah, a little bit, or Augustus Gloop getting stuck in the tube was, in Willy Wonka. That's what my next point was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> what did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Uh, to do a half ass job. I think that was the main takeaway for me as a kid. Which I feel is what we've done with this episode review. That's <laughs> what we've done with the last three years of this podcast. <laughs> I've learned that $2 can earn you the respect of any bartender. Do you want me to tell you exactly how half assed I've been today? So this is my notes that you can just hear flapping in the background there. Yeah. I was so distracted that I wrote down Gerald Ford's name as Gerald Floor 
and I did not notice until we started doing the review. <laughs> At least I read out that part and you didn't because that would have been embarrassing. I'm sure my brain would have taken over and realised at the time. I love that you think that the Gerald Ford part was worthy enough of writing down in your notes. <laughs> it was barely on the screen. I just wanted to mention that he was there. Uh, we'll get it in the mailbag. We're gonna, so we'll take a break now. We'll come back and we'll re-record the mailbag tomorrow night. But I will just very quickly point out that the $8 patron who tracked me down personally and sent me a message is Mackenzie Daly. So, thank you very much, Mackenzie, and your support is much appreciated. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! Alrighty, before we get into today's mailbag, I'm just going to read out a few of our patrons' names. They deserve a shout-out for being a $5 plus patron. As you all know, I've mentioned it plenty of times on the podcast before. $5 plus patronage per month gets your name read out on the podcast, plus access to the show a week early, and access to plenty of other exclusive podcasts that are available only on the Four Finger Discount Patreon page. But for now, Mitch, let's read out some names. Okay, we have got George Baxter, Sen Thav, Taylor Lang, Heather McDonald, Andrew Johnston, Tom Harrow-Smith, Cal Collins, Matthew Grawk, Bradley Andrew, Benjamin Marlin, Chelsea Searle, Paul MC, Grant Smith, Dorian, Emma Jones, Christopher Ferrari, Kelly Nolan, Jamie Gemmel, Alexandra McCarthy, Courtney Nichols, Neil Parks, Timothy Daly, Jonathan Fellner, Cameron Rocco, Matt Jacob, David Rollins, Matt Swetzig, Joshua Sin, Blake McGann, Andrew Kellogg, Trent Robertson, Jacob Meta, Jackie Parsons, Emma Halford, Saul Levy, Nick, Kieran James McCauley, Gary Phillip, Kieran Taylor, Ryan, Jordan Ritchie, Matthew Latham, Oliver de Hortville Bell, Daniel Thomas, Ryan Barr, James Ahern, Aaron Young, Dean Hollis, Andy Cook, Jordan Lewis, Nick. Joey DeGroote, Bethany Walsh, Paul Yuanson, Liam Middleton, Stuart Christie, Kevin Hillick, Chris Parcella, Reese Roberts, Weirded Out Scheiber, Rowan Burgess, Chris Keegan, Matt, Sean Hogan, Sam Craddock Camp, Georgia Mays, Elise Carrot, Kyle Webb, Reese Hall, Blake Ferfaro, Sarah Roberts, Nicholas Pickler, Aaron Spence, Chris Smith, Jake, Michael Palmer, Jessica Muspratt, and Lil E. Thank you so much for your support, guys. It does not go underappreciated. Now, Mitch, what questions have you got for me? What what have you got from the mailbag? Why get my breath back? So much, Dando. I, I mean, let's not pretend about the fact that two days have passed since we were since thirty seconds ago for the listeners. Oh, we were so young back then. Don't pull down the curtain. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's okay to let people know what's going on behind the scenes. And who knows? We might sound different. So I need to cover that i need to i mean i've certainly got two or three more mouthfuls of gin in me than i had when we were last recording so we're not talking as fast because we're trying to speed through it remember well yeah there's that so people are kind of go weren't they in a hurry why are they why are they talking slowly now why are they crapping on so much yeah i should say this but to the listeners it's the first time we've done the show over skype with the cameras on it's making me a little uncomfortable looking up your nose are you looking up my nose not really (laughs) does that help now i'm looking at andre that's much better I've just tilted that away from my face, which defeats the purpose of Skype. I just got back from seeing A Star Is uh, Star Is Born, which I kept referring to as A Star Is Burns, just as a habit. Like I couldn't, when I was asking for a ticket or when people were like, "What are you going to see?" Just keep A Star Is Burns, ah, born, and then, and then it was I was saying Buon, and it just it it was awful. It was an awful experience trying. I was referred to the Shining as the Shining. Yeah. Right. the movie wasn't an awful experience, I should point that out, but the yeah, just the ordering and getting into the movie was really, really difficult for me. Guys at work would tell me this is like the fourth time this movie's been made or something. Or this I think story. it's it's at least the third. 
because in the the end credits refer uh, reference two separate stories. One was the forties, one was the seventies. So it, it is one of those movies that keeps popping its head up. So I thought, well, if they're going to keep making it, I should probably go and watch it at least once. Lady Gaga, good. Yeah, she was quite good. She's very talented, Lady Gaga. She is very talented. Uh, Cooper, quite good as well. It's one of those things where he outacts her. She obviously outsings him. And then you've got Sam Elliott in there outacting all of them. So, you give it the Mitch's seal of approval? Uh, I, oh, look, it's a solid three and a half out of five stars, I would think. Like, it does exactly what I expected it to do going in. I wasn't surprised. Uh, there's a sad scene towards the end. I don't want to spoil it, even though it is a movie that's gone out a couple times. But let's just say that of all of the human characters that were in the movie, I felt saddest for the dog. Okay. That's usually the way. You feel sorry for it the It is usually the way. Yeah, because I was like, he's so innocent and he doesn't understand. I'm looking forward to seeing the new Halloween film, which comes out tomorrow. Oh, is that tomorrow? Yeah, that looks pretty sweet. Yeah, Guy Davis, our movie review expert, he's given it the two thumbs up. He was very impressed by it. He says out the best of Hall- ten thumbs. Yes, it was the best Halloween film. He he goes, he puts it on par with the with the original. On par? Wow, mm, that's high yeah. praise indeed. Because the original is one of the greatest horror movies of all time, certainly of the sort of slasher genre. Is it horror though, or is it more suspense? There's no blood. Uh, There's yeah, killings, no, I guess you could say. It's but. definitely still horror. It's a big-ass knife and a scary mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very well made on a low budget. Anyway, so, Mailbag, what have you got for me this week? Michael Palmer has written in literally between us recording the other day and today. <laughs> he starts with, Ahoy, hoy, Mitch and Drongo. Shaking my head. Yeah, is it, I, I saw you shake your head, and I know it's visual for me, but it's not for anyone else. So, can we <laughs> try to react with our words? I know... I know that three years in, there's still some basics of podcasting that we are yet to learn. One of them is that it's not a visual medium. That's all right. I fixed it up. Okay. Well, Michael was listening to Lisa's Date with Density when we were uh, talking about HR. So, his partner works in HR in the food industry and asked, Mitch and Dando want to know if you sit in your office trying to work out what people might be offended by. She bypassed who we were. He'll educate her on that later and explain that she's often too busy dealing with grievances that people have made or disciplines that they have to do to think of these things. So a recent example, and I kind of like this, of like a a pissy HR complaint. One, uh, Someone in HR team was putting on a charity cake sale. Someone complained that they had an allergy to one of the cakes before it was even made. They asked the person how bad the allergy was. He said, it's mild. It's only if I eat it. Well, so obviously, but, does, but but is it like peanut allergy or something? I don't know. Fun. He doesn't. He doesn't specify. Okay. They suggested just don't eat the cake that you're allergic to. We'll keep all the cakes apart. Write down the ingredients. They then put in a complaint to HR about HR, and the company <laughs> the night before tried to cancel the cake sale after everyone was halfway through making cakes. Like, I, I get that people are allergic to things, but sometimes you just have to miss out. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me that we had an incident at work recently where one of the hallways got repainted and we got from an HR type an email that went through. And now, in this instance, I think they were only passing the message on, but it was a thing of, uh, why did no one tell us that the hallway was getting painted? This, this Such and such has a paint allergy and it would have, like, you know, it, we need to know about these things in advance. Now... My thing here is that it's a it's a two-way entrance. 
So they could very easily have opened that door, went, oh, smells like fresh paint. Better go around. <laughs> but yeah. They, but rather than that, walked through and then tried to go, oh, I don't feel so good. We had a similar situation at Ford. A little bit more extreme, though, because we're walking down the hallway and we see this mist in the air. And we go, oh, what, what's all this? Like, is it smoke? Is it just dust? What is it? Oh, no, they're just clearing all the asbestos out of the roof. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's just asbestos in the air. You didn't think to tell us? You know what the direct response from my manager was? Go talk to James Hardy. Just harden the fuck up and get on with it. That's what he said. Yes, harden the fuck up and get on with it when there's asbestos in the air. Is that how he said it? Or was it more like, harden the fuck up and get on with it? (laughs) Well, actually, that guy's now no longer with us. But he was just like, harden the fuck up, mate, and just get on with it. I'm just like, do you know what asbestos does? I don't want more asbestos. I do not. It's, it's not a good thing. <laughs> I'm demanding less asbestos. <laughs> less asbestos. Less asbestos. But anyway, I'm still here, thankfully. Uh, all right, we'll move on to the next email from the mailbag. I will comment to the listeners that watching Mitch's reading face is quite funny. It's almost like a blue steel. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I often just walk around with blue steel face on. I don't even know that I've done it. Neil Thompson writes in. Uh, Neil, uh, I was about to read his email address out. That's I shouldn't have done that. Um, Neil from the oh, uh, sorry. Neil does the Inside Oz podcast, so we inspired him to start a podcast about the HBO series Oz, uh, and this is largely. Um, oh, he mentioned that off the back of the fact that I talk about J.K. Simmons quite a bit, and we obviously have J.K. with. Mm. What do we learn here, Palmer? Mm. He just wanted to ask a couple sports-related questions, so. We, we mentioned AFL and cricket a lot and wrestling. Uh, he wanted to know what are the sports we enjoy. And this tags on from in the Patreon group when they were asking our thoughts on rugby league and suggested that perhaps there was too much of an AFL bias on the podcast. I like watching golf, as silly as it sounds. I really enjoy watching golf. Something relaxing about it for me. Mm. I know you enjoy golf as well. I just, I just enjoy... I enjoy when you can just hear the birds chirping in the background. You, like when you get a sense of that, you're there. Plus the fact that you no know, tiger's just on a fucking roll at the moment. So anytime tiger mm. gets on the ground on the greens, it's just like must see television. There's a lot of excitement going on about yeah, his yeah, return. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do like watching. I've mentioned this before. I like watching bowling. It's fun yeah. when they when they're shit talking each other. It's great. Mm-hmm. NBA. I've just only recently got into the NBA. I'm Boston Celtics fan now because Nick okay. is from Boston in the UK. So I was like, yep. I'm going to pick a team. It's Boston. Agree with you on golf. Golf can be just a nice relaxing watch. Uh, I particularly enjoy it when they put a microphone inside the cups. Some of the big American tournaments yes. will do that. So you yeah. hear the ball really rattle around in there. That's quite good. And on the subject of that, I've heard that there's some talk that Fox Cricket are going to be turning up the stump mic this summer <laughs> as part of their coverage. So you should hear more of what the players are saying on field, which would be cool. I love, this, off- I love, the, I love the sound of someone getting stumped. Yeah, no. <laughs> hearing the bales drop. <laughs> I've often thought that whenever like NFL does it really well, actually, when they have the guys mic'd up, and I've always thought that that is much more compelling listening than any commentator you're ever going to get. Yeah. I just, I know that. Yeah, you're going to hear some swearing, but it, I mean, clearly, if you listen to this show, you know that that's no problem for us. Yeah. That I, I just want to hear what's being said out there and what's actually going on. The problem with the AFL, they have the umps mic'd up, but as soon as the players will go over to them, they turn them down just in case they swear. Yeah, because they often will. Yeah. <laughs> it's Australia. Yeah. I, as far as NRL like it, or rugby league, I, I just don't care about it. I'll be perfectly honest. And it's not saying that it's a bad sport. It's just that I've never watched enough of it. The times that I have watched it, at best, I'm like, oh, yeah, 
I see what's happening there. It's just for me, it's a it's a bit too repetitive. You pick up the ball, you run at that line of players, you get forty or fifty meters up the field, you kick it, they run at you, they get forty or fifty meters up the field and kick it, and then eventually someone will break free and score a try. It's kind of rinse and repeat, same stuff over and over and over again. You say the same thing about soccer, very repetitive, but people love it. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Like that's not me trashing the sport. It's just the way I see it. It's just doesn't. I like highlights of both of those things. It just doesn't quite gel with me. Uh, and outside of that, let me try to think of oh, ultimate frisbee. I caught myself I watching. Sw- I about, swear we've answered this before because you've mentioned to me that you like you love ultimate frisbee. I think that's just because I watched it for the first time and I got okay. really excited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone at home, check out some ultimate frisbee highlights on YouTube. The the control that these guys have is unbelievable. Yeah, I do love the whole. So it's darts, and when they get the two sixties, mm-hmm. and they zoom right oh, in, and it's just like, oh, right is in. it coming? Is it coming? Boom! Yep. And there's like the, the the roof just blows off the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really cool. What uh, what else have I watched that's really low key? Water polo. Water polo is a bit of fun to watch. I've never, I've only watched it when the Olympics are on. Anyway, so like in general, I'd like to think that I'm across all sports, but. The, the ones that we like we don't talk about them out of favoritism I only talk about the ones I talk about because I know more about them than any of the others Tim Boxall he writes in hi Dando and Mitch really enjoyed the podcast on You Only Move Twice jeez that was a long time ago that we actually recorded that that was but, like two and a half years I think yeah he writes in though to point out that uh, something that we'd said two and a half years ago was incorrect where the tune that Smithers is singing isn't from Guys and Dolls uh, as Hamill says in Mad to the Mob, that song isn't even in the show. The tune that he's singing with I Work for Monty Burns is Hooray for Hollywood. Okay. Which is the but song that it, was... It does sound similar to Guys and Dolls, does it not? It accompanied the Oscars. I don't know how Guys and Dolls goes. Guys and just Dolls assume. were just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. Or, uh, or, or, or do I just think it sounds like that? I think you just think it sounds like that because of The Simpsons. I don't think that's the actual song. No, because Mark Hamill sings it when he's on The Simpsons. He's in Guys and Dolls. And I'm sure that's how he sings it. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Like, I don't know if that's actually in the show, though. Or oh, if that's just the way. Maybe, that, the, like, maybe they were in... just doing a version of Hooray for Hollywood as Guys and, guys exactly. and Dolls. Exactly. Uh, Michael Bernstein, he writes in, Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Started mid-summer with two six-hour road trips and have just caught up, which is a hell of an effort to mm. have... Caught up to all of what we've done in about two months. Well done. You must, uh, if he's not in a padded room right now, just yelling, it stinks, it stinks, <laughs> it stinks, then I don't know who will be. He wanted to tell us about one of his favourite plot holes and inconsistencies from the show. This comes from Hurricane Neddy. Ned Flanders remarks that he's kept kosher just to be on the safe side. When he's doing that, I've done everything the Bible asks, even the stuff that contradicts the other stuff. Oh, yeah. The problem is, we already know from Lisa the Vegetarian that Flanders grills and eats pork products. Any mention of kosher on a TV show is always going to get Jewish fans' ears to perk up, so some of us noticed. I've never seen this inconsistency on any lists of goofs or trivia, but I and at least a dozen of my own classmates at the Jewish school I went to used to keep this in our back pockets as a way to stump non-Jewish people in Simpsons trivia. I love that just the Jewish community have their own little hates about the show. Uh, anyway, so thank you very much for writing in there, Michael Bernstein. And aside from that, Dando, that's what's that? Three or four emails? We don't that have one well single Simpsons question yet. So can you give me a Simpsons question? Uh, you always, you're so picky. We had questions. What more do you need? We didn't have a Simpsons question yet. <laughs> um, but they don't need to be Simpsons questions. No, but I like the- at least 
one. It's just it's me. It's their I'm mailbag. Fr- there's, only so, there's only so many questions that can be asked about The Simpsons. There's gotta, yeah, there's got to be at least one in there somewhere. No, it's mostly people just giving us facts about The Simpsons at the moment. It's because we're making so many mistakes. Well, that might have that might be a little bit to do with it, but... We nearly yeah. started a whole subreddit of fucking Dick Tracy. Prune Tracy, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a mistake. That was just something that we overlooked. We didn't understand, of course, yeah. Uh, no, that's not Simpsons. I don't have any Simpsons questions for you, Dando. I'm sorry. Listeners. Goodness gracious me. Help Dando out by asking questions about The Simpsons. If you're writing into the mailbag, let me just say, if it's got a question, write Simpsons question as the subject, or at least somewhere in the subject. That way, when we're looking through the mailbag, we can know that one's got a question. So if you've got a question you want answered on the show, make sure you put question in Mm. the subject and it will be guaranteed to be read. Nicholas Pickler has done exactly that. He says question and comment, but it's not Simpsons related, so it's not good enough for Dando. No, skip. <laughs> Maybe next week, Nick. <laughs> Definitely next week, Nick. I actually like your question. It's just that. Well, what is the question? Ask the question. You no, it doesn't matter because this podcast will go for two hours. It'll be next week. Okay. <laughs> There's a little tease for you, Nick. It's a good question, though. It's an absolute humdinger. Can I have one word to, as a clue besides humdinger? One word. I'll give you one word from his question. Not what either. Particular. Hmm. There's a tease. His question is intriguing to me. I wish to subscribe to his newsletter. What could it possibly be? Find out next week on Four Finger Discount. All right. Thanks for listening, guys, to our review of Simpsons Califragilistic XBL Annoyed at Grunches. Hope you enjoyed it. Stick around for our chat with Maggie Roswell. Please do that. Also, don't forget to jump onto the iTunes store, the Apple Podcast store, and give us a five-star rating if you do enjoy the show and a little nice review. Also, if you want exclusive access to a bunch of extra podcasts, we're about to record our Futurama review of A Big Piece of Garbage. Plus, our man Reese Hall, our $100 patron, he has requested this month that we review Jurassic Park. And what are your feelings on that, Mitch? I actually, it'd be interesting because my memory of the last time I watched Jurassic Park is that it was just an okay episode with that heartbreaking ending. So, I'll be interested to go back and watch it properly. Admittedly, the last time I was watching it, I was watching it more because I just needed to see that last five minutes for an article that I was writing. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to finding out whether or not the episode... Does the episode hold up to the ending or is it an episode that has been made more memorable because of how great the ending is? Yes. Alrighty, guys, thanks for listening. Catch you all next week. Mitch, any final words for the listeners? Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim shiroo. What the hell is that from? It's uh, some old Disney movie. I don't know. It's just in my head. You mean Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? No, 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 no. I think it was um, Alice in Wonderland. Hi, this is Maggie Roswell, and you're listening to Four Finger Discount. Hey, guys. Dan and Mitch here for Four Finger Discount. We're at AMC Expo in Melbourne. We're joined by the very lovely Maggie Roswell. Maggie, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing fantastic. How about you guys? Always good. Very excited, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. So how's your weekend been? Having fun? First it's, time in Australia, you were just telling us. first time in Australia, which is outrageous. And uh, this AMC Comic-Con has been really a blast. And it's just, I was telling somebody that Comic-Cons themselves are always, you know, really, it's like an adventure in itself. But then adding the twist of having everybody with an accent... Even that even makes it even more yeah. insane, <laughs> yeah. but fantastic. I, although I've been laughing because with the accents, people will come up to me and 
they, when they're getting a picture signed, and then they'll say their name, and they go, and I go, what is it? Spell it. And they yes, spell it, please. Sorry. Hi. Have you have you attempted an Australian accent yet? I no. Well, some sometimes a bit. But no, it's <laughs> not too bad. Yeah, Sometimes thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was it. Were you disappointed by the lack of kangaroos down the streets? Well, what were you expecting in Australia? Well, you know that's the, well. I it's always that thing. You know, it's it's a, and we were we were you know doing something with uh, oh crikey you know yeah. oh I I love her I do everything I can to protect her you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and that's really we know from the crocodile hunter yeah a if lot you go of far uh, if you go far north enough then right. that's real like yeah. that, there are those people up well in, that's what up everybody said they said yeah. oh my god. It's like that, and when when we watched it, we were kind of talking about this, and then one of the people in the van said, "Be careful! It's our national treasure." We said, "No, no, no! We wouldn't make anything about yeah. him. We love him. We love Bindi. We hope she wins the, you know, Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. We, we, it's all good." It's funny because my wife's from England. Whenever she has family over, they always say, "Is there really spiders in your shoes all the time? And spiders in the toilet?" I'm thinking, I've never, I barely see a spider. <laughs> they, they come here, they find them everywhere. I'm like, "What?" I know that's exactly that was. And my daughter said, "Well, you're supposed to check your shoes." I went. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a really nice hotel. Do yeah. I have to check my shoes? Okay. Yeah. Well. So we should probably talk about The Simpsons. Yes. We should cover that off a little bit. Sure. Yes. What the heck? Um, so for our listeners, uh, and I'm sure that they've done their research, but if you could quickly rattle off the characters that you have portrayed. Yes. I do Helen Lovejoy, Reverend Lovejoy's wife, the gossip wife, the minister. And I do Maude Flanders, and they killed me because I moved to Colorado. <laughs> and I do Miss Hoover, who's Lisa's teacher, the one with Lyme disease. And Dolphins, you do boards, friends. Male preservers, all the male. Princess Casimir's real name is Shawna Tifton, the head of Kitty Carlisle Match Game 2010. All the old women, the old folks, I'm a grandpa, and Sherry Bobbins, who take off her Mary Poppins. Yeah. And also, Luann Van Houten, who's Milhouse's mother, the one that got divorced. Wow. How, how many times have you spun that off? I was going to say, oh, we about, didn't ask for that. Well, well this times. is the thing. is It's uh, a million, because people say, what is it? But we used to laugh because in Colorado you do all that or they'd say what characters do you do I do that whole rattle and they go oh I don't watch a show and I don't let my kids oh. watch it either and you go okay well I feel like an idiot but thank you yeah. thank yeah. you for sharing no that's uh, we were talking before the interview that we didn't want to just be hacky and say can you please do the voices but thank you very much but yes, for doing I like the voices to, anyway uh, yeah because I'm a hack you know <laughs> <laughs> so actually now you've covered that how, how has it changed for you doing the show from Colorado um, as opposed to you know being round table and recording. Well, we were doing the round table when we first did it, and that was what was so crazy because when Hal and I um, went to raise our daughter in Colorado, we realized that we were the first kind of the trailblazers of taking it and doing it there. Yeah. Initially, it was not their best deal. Now, Hank Azaria is in New York doing a um, TV show. Julie Kavner can be away. We don't sit around the table as much anymore yeah. because the characters are so well-known and they you know, uh, they, they have such great interaction. We've done that for so many years. Yeah. There still is that warmth among all the characters. Yeah. But um, they, that's only because the first years, the first 10 years, we were like, you know, really um, together around the table for eight hours at a time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Was that different as well at the time to the way most TV? Oh, absolutely. Like, you were one of the first to do it all as a Because you've been doing stuff before The Simpsons, Pretty oh, yeah. in Pink and all that. Well, see, yeah. yeah. pretty. And so that was for me too, is that I was doing a lot of film and television forever and stage. Yeah. And so then when I did the Tracy Ullman show, yeah. and then they you know, found me for that in the Leader said, do you want to audition? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they wanted me to sing Leader of the Pack. Yeah. And then I was just like, well, I don't know. And then they said, well, it would be with Clarence Clemens of the E Street Band. Yeah. And, and you know, and Carol King. So 
maybe. I said, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll <laughs> yeah. do that. I can't but sing, it was, but I'd say yes and to that. <laughs> and so then the casting director said, "Well, do you want to audition for The Simpsons?" And I had seen them a couple of times, but when I guess so, you yeah, know, yeah. so it was. But I had done a lot of Ham, Hanna Barbera and stuff like that yeah, before, yeah, yeah. and a lot of cartoons. In fact, somebody was just coming up and they said, "Would you sign this?" And it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I went, uh, "I don't think I did that." And then I'll they said, anyway. "They go, oh yeah, you did. You played Caitlin on it in one episode." I went. Okay, so could you sign Caitlin on the other one? Okay. But, you know, I know that I'd done things like um, Scooby-Doo. My husband and I played Mr. and Mrs. Peter Laurie. Like yeah. they had a, um, a horror house. And we were like... <laughs> <laughs> were you unmasked at the end? Yes. Like, did you get to it was me. I got, yes, I got kids? to like... Exactly. Oh, you kids. <laughs> Why I ought to do my good eye. Well, when, when The Simpsons started to take off, do you sort of get that, that mentality of, well, I don't have to do anything else anymore. The Simpsons right. is just... Is it, was that right Well, no. Or? Well, see, for me, because... What they had done is nobody really knew how it was all going to go. Yeah. And even though it's gone now, I had um, I quit the show on the 10th year and come back on the 13th. Yeah. And so, and because I went to Colorado and then they killed Maude Flanders and yeah. then there was like a whole thing. But now <laughs> uh, part of it is coming back and they've just been really, you know, sweet having us do everything, coming back. It's just been great. Yeah. And so that's made it, I think, a whole different I guess it helps with guys like Hank and Harry. They can a lot of their scenes are having conversations with themselves anyway. Right, right, exactly. And Burns and Smithers, and to see the two of them watching Harry really realize how much Smithers was in love with Mr. Burns. (laughs) Yeah. To watch his face as he was delivering it, he was like, "What? What? (laughs) (laughs) When did it become just a job for you and something like to fall in love with? I imagine you've been doing it for this long. You would have to love what you do. Oh my God, no! It's you know, and it's always it's always different. It's always really fun." And the people are incredible. And like I was talking to people today saying, I've never been with a cast that's more professional. And yet we're not all close. Like, I mean, Dan and I know each other. We've hung around together before. But it's not like everybody hangs out like another cast because you come in, you do it and you leave. But I think that the respect for each other, there was never that backbiting and stuff that can happen in in series sometimes. Well, you've been all together for so long. For so long. And then people just come in. It's kind of like, you know, being at summer camp and then coming back to school and going, okay, you guys. Let's go for it again. Yep. But, you know, so that's been great. Who was one of your favorite guests to work with? Like, we, um, we were listening to um, uh, some outtakes from Albert Brooks right, and, right. Uh, with Jacques. Julie yeah. as Jacques. And it just seemed like it's just so much on the cutting room floor. Did you ever have an experience like that with well, anyone? See, and the, well, see, um, because also with me, with Albert, you know, um, I had done uh, Lost in America with him. Yep. Oh, I can't you know, so he, And that was on camera stuff. So yeah. it was really wild being with that. And that was the one where Helen Lovejoy goes, well, it's a gossipy wife of the minister. Yep. What are you doing with the man who's not your husband? I just thought I'd come over and say hello, yep. Yep. which was one of my favorite things to be able to do. Yep. But I think seeing Liz Taylor, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, which we had to call her Elizabeth. Don't call her Liz. Oh, Elizabeth Taylor. She came in to do the voice of Maggie. Maggie, the one word. Yeah, the one word. And she was just, you know, (laughs) and that was really wild. And I was standing behind her and then I thought, what, am I crazy? I should be looking at those (laughs) eyes. The eyes were unbelievable. And then at one point I went over to one of the guys who was an animator. I said, here, draw her. Because he was just, you know, I mean, they don't usually draw in the same room. But he was just kind of doodling. I said, draw her. He goes, I don't draw people. I said, do it. So he was kind of drawing Elizabeth Taylor and her dogs and she came over and said well if you're going to draw it you might as well draw this and she put her hand 
out and had that huge diamond ring yeah, that yeah, was yeah. as big as my head. And I grabbed her hand. I'm thinking, how surreal is this? I just grabbed Elizabeth Taylor's hand to look at her ring and look at it with my eye. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just <laughs> I'm her nuts. equal. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Hey, so Liz, I like your jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're sort of like the Simpsons go-to housewife voice. Right, right. How do you find so many different yet so similar voices within yourself? Like, how, well, do, you, how do you discover a voice? The, well, the the ones and the ones that we did, like uh, Maude Flanders had to be married to Ned. Yeah. So then discovering the type of person, you know, that he would just get somebody that was really nice because that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. And then Helen Lovejoy having, the, you know, that being, you know, Reverend Lovejoy's wife who was yeah. just the one that would stab you in the back. And she yeah. just is just everyone you've ever <laughs> met that you go, oh, I just hate her. But she'll smile. <laughs> Smile at your face and then stab you in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the, you know, the the other ones, like with Miss Hoover, you know, they had done A Brush with Greatness, which was the one where they painted, yeah. you know. Yeah, painted burns. And, yeah, painted yeah. burns. And there was a woman who comes out of the crowd and says, he's bad, but he'll die. Yeah. And then that was me. And then they said, oh, by the way, we want you to... Um, to do that voice for Miss Hoover. So that oh, was what okay. was crazy. Okay. And then with, with Milhouse's mother, um, Hank, Azari and I, they, we knew we were going to play the parents. Well, we didn't know who was going to have the first line and what he was going to do for his thing. So he goes, oh, okay, Milhouse. And then I went, oh, shoot, I was going to do that for the mom. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I went, oh, well, I'll do this one then. Okay, I've got divorced. <laughs> I'm a divorcee. <laughs> have you ever brought a voice to the directors and have gone, nah? Now, Not good enough. Well, you know, they have some of the things where they'll say, you know, during our show, where they'll where if somebody's voice sticks out too much, yeah. then like if they like with Yardley in particular, because her voice is so, you know, recognizable. She gives Julie, Lisa her voice. Yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> yeah. it. And then and um, also with uh, Julie Kavner because yep. she does the sisters and then she does those. But that's what she would just say, I can't I do anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was when they finally went, no, no, this is it. This is what you're going to be doing. But it's um, but I also got to do Dr. Hibbert's wife. And that was very oh, cool. good. Yeah. <laughs> From the way you're talking, you seem to really know a lot about the history of the show as well. Like, Absolutely. Are you a fan? I mean, oh, I love the show. And but it's wild for us, too, because you'll see when you're reading the script all the little things that they're doing yep. but they don't really even though you're reading the script and seeing all this stuff you don't see it really come to life yeah, yeah but for, it takes a year for yeah. us to do the show so by the time you actually see it you go wow i hardly even remember that but when you're looking at the script they've added so many little things and stuff to make it more yep. current and all of that stuff so you basically even though you've read the script and acted you get to enjoy it oh, as uh, if it's new for yes you. And, it's, yeah. and it's funny because i'll be watching and i'll go oh Wait, I think I'm in this one. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been really neat. Yeah, that's been really, that's really good. cool. You want to bring up something about Nancy as well? You read that she said about Maggie. Oh well, you kind of covered it off, but and I don't, I'm sure you would be aware of this. Nancy had said something really sweet about you that you have that really unique ability to to find what's a normal voice, oh, um, that's it, particularly very nice. in an industry where. You know, it's always about being distinctive. Right. But you manage to sort of slot right in the middle and still create, as you said, these wonderful characters. But, but, but have it be in every woman. And the, well, that was the thing is you know, when they killed Mon Flanders, and you know how they have usually on the um, Halloween show they have the all the people that well they not only have the ghosts but they have the, the um, tombstones the. Um, the names? The names, the, yeah, the, on the, the, on the yeah, tombstones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they were doing the tombstone stuff, before that, when they killed me, they did like a eulogy to me going, she was an every woman, Maude Flanders. Yeah. You know, it was, <laughs> so it was really wild for them to be doing it kind of personally to me, the writers. Yeah. And so that was really crazy. But 
It's been, I think, a, a great thing to bring it more like for a real person, you know, because there's some things that there's some shows, and we're laughing now because my husband and I, when we're going up for auditions on things, they go, we want her to sound real. And then you try to do real, and then you hear it later, and they're like, well, gee, that would be great. You go, who said that's not a real that's sound? Not real. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. a real sound. Maybe from Fargo. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> Fargo, perhaps. Maybe that's it. But when you found out about Maud, did you know before you read the script? Like, how was that all handled? Maud, oh no, Maud with Maud, they they just I didn't know before I read the script. Really? And then, yeah. So then when I read the script, I thought, okay, well, I wonder what they're going to want to do and I just kind of did this accent when I heard Harry doing his yep. and then that seemed to work for them that yes this is the person that this would be but a lot of the times they've gone through it but in the first 10 years what we did we would do eight hours of uh, you know where we'd be sitting at the table and then be running off and writing more material and then bringing yep. it back so that is very different they never do that in cartoon shows did you have much interaction with the writers like particularly you know in the Conan O'Brien era well when the Conan the O'Brien era we were, we were laughing because we glory said days. yeah the glory <laughs> days when when Conan and those guys they would all be sitting on the outside and would be sitting at the table read yeah. and then you'd see one person like they go and this is John Vitti and you see one guy like kind of shrink in the chair and you go Oh, that must be John Vitti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For all those years, they never introduced us to most of the people. Really? Oh, ever. Wow. Okay. No, and it was just wasn't, it just was thinking. I, uh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So you'd walk out and you go, "Oh, yeah, you're John." They go, "Yeah, hi, how are you doing?" Yeah. yeah. And then and you go, "Oh my God!" When I met a couple of those guys, John Schwartz, uh, Welder, and a bunch of these guys that are just really brilliant at parties, and they go, "Yeah, hi," and I go, "Oh my God, you're you. I love yeah. you." <laughs> Describe the atmosphere of a table read. Oh, the table read is really a blast because people will, but and like in some. Harry would like rip open the um, the thing. He wouldn't have script, read it before. Yeah, He'll yeah. just you know he'd just read it cold and yeah. be fine and be brilliant and do his stuff. But other people have gone through things, mark their things, mark the characters and things. And um, I think that that is really fun because then you're really looking opposite each other. I yeah. mean, I do remember when I I was doing it with uh, Mel Gibson, and so the I you know, and this was still before he had his rampage in in the, the U.S. But, yes, right <laughs> before it all went south. Yeah. But um, we but, still love Mel. Being yes. Australians, we have to still yeah, love Mel yeah. Gibson. But but um, for me, I was so thrilled that it was Mel Gibson. Oh, so yeah. like I was like looking down, and then I. Just just kind of look up a little and then I looked down and then at one point I looked up and he was looking up at me and I just went <laughs> and I thought oh my god did I just really do that oh that's not good oh Those that eyes, can't be good. Those oh, eyes. Yeah. oh yeah and then I was when when I was um at one point everybody was trying to be really cool and they were going well bye Mel see ya yeah. Bye, see ya. Yeah. And I was just like going, I said, could I take a picture with you? And he said, sure. <laughs> so, he, you know, and I'm thinking, you guys are idiots. I'm going to take a picture with Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're arm in arm. And then um, he's, I, I said, you know, thanks. This is really great. And he said, and so, and I just kind of did like a fake smile. And then he, he leans over and he goes, would you like the tongue in the ear thing? And I went, and it was just a joke. <laughs> and then I have this huge <laughs> smile on my face. So I think he was trying to do it because he probably felt me being so tense. And he went, you want yeah. the tongue in the ear thing? And you go, oh, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, hi. That's it was all it. a big joke. <laughs> One of my favorite characters you do, just before we wrap it up, is Sherry Bobbins. Uh, How much work went into getting the Julie Andrews-esque voice Well, uh, that was only, that's the only um, uh, vocal impression I do, yep. literally. Yep. Yep. And so they thought that Julie Andrews was going to do the show. Oh, okay. okay. They really? had offered it to her. 
And they were still going back and forth because at that time they thought maybe they'd be doing a Mary Poppins for real, unlike yep. another Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah. And so I think her people were just saying, well, you know, we don't want to make fun. And then, it, you know, they just didn't. I, I think there was just that that kind of breakdown that happens in between. Eventually they figured, OK, it's not going to happen. So what I was doing was only understudying her singing so she could go back to do it. So I only did two passes at it. And I'm like a, a mezzo belter. And she's a color tourist. I mean, she's Julie Andrews. Yeah, yeah. So when I was doing everything, I was going, oh, there were some of those notes that I went, isn't there some third of thing we could do where they could <laughs> goose that note that. up? Yeah, <laughs> like go, yeah. So dogs were crying when I was finishing. But <laughs> I think for me that, you know, being able to, to sing that stuff and to actually do do her it was so brilliant yeah. and it was all those things that, you know when like you know just a spoonful of sugar might it go if you cut every corner it is really not so bad everybody loves it even mom and dad if nobody sees it then nobody gets mad it's the American way well, and they, the plate. do we have to pay for this do we have to pay music rights uh, yes see, and I don't know and then they'll probably sue me and I go you know what I just thought it was a fun thing to do we were yeah. outside I felt right. I was in Australia. No, that was perfect. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, and that was such a great episode and some of the best songs. That, uh, oh. I mean, The Simpsons are famous for some of their songs. And yeah. They are definitely some of the and best. And that, that, that was some of the best. It's one like of, a mini musical. Yeah. And I think that one of the best lines there also was when Mr. Burns was flying the kite and then he falls down because the kite electrocutes him and he yeah, goes, yeah. Uh, Smithers, what's that sound? He goes, it's your heart, sir. And he goes, well, that takes me back. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I was a big fan of her butt wax the banister. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved it. Well, Maggie, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for yes. your time. I really oh, you it. too. Is there this anything is... you need to plug before yes. we wrap up uh, Twitter? Plug everything. Yes. Uh, you, okay. You guys have to do Twitter <laughs> at Maggie Roswell, which will make me laugh. And then also, if you want to follow me on Instagram, because I'm trying to do this whole social networking thing, but, you know, it, it goes a little bit beyond me, Beb. So, um, Twitter. Tweet me, twit me, yeah. twit me because yeah. I'm a twit, yeah. and then <laughs> it would be swell. Excellent. Well, I hope you really enjoy the rest of your time in Australia. Thank you so much for taking Absolutely. some time out today to have a chat with us and braving the flies of this great summer. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're the fabulous flies. Yes. Well, anyways, thank you so much. Catch you, Catch you later. Okay. So what did you guys think of that interview with Maggie Roswell, voice of Maud Flanders, Helen Lovejoy, and the rest? Yeah, we've officially made it. We have made like, it now. Th- this is peak of the mountain. Not putting down Nikki Asordia or anything, but that no. was Maggie Roswell. Yeah, no, Nikki, we absolutely love you. And she, uh, she saw that we've interviewed her on Facebook and was really excited about that. And I did say to her on there that it was that interview that really gave us the confidence to be able to go on and do this. But, I mean, talking to a cast member, man, who would have thought that this would have happened? And she knew so much about the show. Like you said, you, you were surprised by her knowledge of what was going on back yeah. in the day, you know? I mean, look, a lot of actors view what they do as just work. Like, you know, and, and this isn't, it's not that they don't like the show or anything, but a lot of actors don't watch themselves in their own movies or whatever it might be. Whereas she, as she said, genuinely loves the show. And that was really cool as well. Like that passion really came through from her. It was good to see her as excited about the show as what we are. Yeah, almost more than. <laughs> yes, exactly. And as she mentioned, make sure you follow her on Twitter because she really wants Twitter followers. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram. Um, help her out, follow her, tweet her, do everything, make, you know, l- engage. And that's the other thing. Like, she's so open to that. She really wants to communicate with her fans. So. If, if you message her or if you tweet her, she will tweet back. Yeah, yeah. She's been really, really good on the Twitter. So if we didn't ask a question that you perhaps wanted uh, asked to Maggie, tweet it to her. We'll guarantee she'll answer it for you. Well, I don't know if we can guarantee. That's making promises. I'm guaranteeing it. Okay, Maggie, if you're listening to this part of the podcast, we uh, Dando has just put you in the hole. Um, good luck. Also, before we go, better thank the official sponsors, The Simpsons Best Moments Facebook page and nohomers.net. Also, check everything else out on the torrentlist.tv website. But for now, I'm Dando. I'm Mitch. See you guys next time.
Shh.